0: Well, greetings, my name is Adam DePasquale. I serve as one of the lead pastors here at Walnut Hill. And uh, I just want to give a warm welcome to everyone joining us today in Derby, Waterbury, New Milford, and online. You know, as I was watching that video, I was instantly brought back to being a young parent. And uh, I remember those moments as the chant begins, why, why, why? Kids have good questions, don't they? I could feel the pulse of my body growing up. But uh, you know, as adults, we have good questions too, right? And so this weekend, we're beginning a new sermon series called Good Question, where for each week throughout the summer, we're going to be looking at different subjects that are core to life and core to faith. And, uh, you know, looking ahead, I saw questions like, why suffering? Uh, Why forgive? Why church? Good questions, right? But, you know, our prayer in doing that is that each week we'll walk away with a fresh perspective, a deeper understanding, a greater commitment and that each one of us will truly encounter Jesus, amen? So uh, today, our question is, why Jesus? Why Jesus? Before I jump into the sermon, I wanna start by sharing that right now, we have a group uh, from Walnut Hill over in Israel, about 30 people. And this past week, they were alongside the Sea of Galilee. One of the sites they visited was where the feeding of the 4,000 took place. And this is a place where loved ones brought to Jesus those who were crippled, unable to see, unable to speak. They had all kinds of ailments. And the Bible says that Jesus healed them. You know, when you look at the passage, you see that it took place over like three days. And so there comes a point and Jesus looks out and it says that he has compassion on the people and he wants to feed them. They have no food. But there was just one problem. So the disciples thought, all they had was seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. So Jesus said, bring me what you have. And he took them. Scripture says that he thanked the Lord for them and then he broke them and he said to the disciples, go feed them. You know what? They never ran out. They never ran out. In fact, 4,000 men plus women plus children were fed and there were seven basketfuls left over. You see, Jesus never turned anyone away. Jesus never turned anyone away. He made the impossible possible. You know what? And he truly cares for the whole person, doesn't he? He does. So today, a group from Walnut Hill, uh, they are actually going to see the Dead Sea, and they have a few more days, so please keep them in prayer. It's really an incredible trip. All right, so as an introduction to my sermon, I want to start with a confession, is that okay? All right. Brian reached out to me several months ago about preaching this weekend, and while I initially said yes, I quickly said no. What? You're one of our lead pastors. How could you possibly say no? Good question, right? You didn't get that, did you? Good question. My, parents, my kids would say that's a dad joke. All right, I'm just trying to warm you guys up a little bit. But honestly, you know, um, there was a few reasons why I said no, and one of them was that it was Carrie and I's 25th wedding anniversary this past Wednesday. Woo hoo! Awesome. Praise the Lord. You know, and I I wanted to be able to focus on her, and I didn't want to be distracted. That's a good reason, right? I think so. But over the next two weeks, strangely, the sermon started to come alive in my heart, and I couldn't get the idea of preaching out of my mind. And then this crazy thought came into my mind. Why not ask my wife, Carrie, to join me in preaching on our anniversary weekend? Now if you know Carrie, she's an introvert. Doesn't this sound like the greatest anniversary gift ever? Yeah? Well, thankfully, um, she went and she prayed. The idea wouldn't go away, and I asked her about that. And uh, she said she'd be willing. Wow. And then I went to Pastor Brian. I said, what do you think, Brian? And he said, I think you've heard from the Lord. So we said yes. Sounds like a good topic for a book, right? But this, I know, another dad joke. It's good. These things work. But this I've learned that when God asks you to do something, no matter how hard, no matter how uncomfortable, he'll give you the ability to do it and he'll tell you what to say. So here's my request, would you pray for Carrie and I today? But more importantly, would you pray for yourself that you would hear whatever it is that God wants you to hear, amen? Amen. Okay, so before Carrie joins me in a little while, I wanna start by asking you a few questions and I want you to be honest. Can you be honest? Can you be honest? All right. I can hear you in, in uh, Waterbury, too. I heard that. That's good. Have you ever lost hope? Have you ever lost your way? Do you feel let down? Have you ever felt like maybe you've blown it and you'll never get a second chance? Or maybe even that you're getting what you deserve after all? Are you living from a place of complacency or maybe even despair? How about this one? Have you lost expectation for what God can do in your life and the world? Did you know that God's people felt all of those ways? Come back with me for a moment into history. You know, around 2100 BC, God appeared to Abram, a regular person just like you and me. And God gave him a promise. Listen to this. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Wow, what a promise. But you know what's really amazing? Abram believed God. Abram believed God. That's amazing to truly hear a promise from God and believe Him. That's a gift. 25 years later, not the next day, his miracle son Isaac was born. And from Isaac came Jacob. From Jacob came 12 sons who would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Is there like a disco going on here? (laughs) I tell you, this is just making today really fun, huh? (laughs) Oh, wow. Just stay with me, okay? (laughs) In time, God's people ended up in Egypt. And what started as great favor quickly turned to oppression and slavery. Does that sound like a blessing to you? After 400 years, God heard their cry and miraculously rescued them. Praise the Lord. And while God's people were initially thankful, they quickly turned from him, which resulted in wandering in the desert for 40 years. This was certainly a low point. But eventually they came to their promised land and God's presence and blessing was overwhelming. But in time, they turned from him again. Eventually, their united kingdom became divided. Around 586 B.C., Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. Israel's great temple was destroyed, and God's people were exiled and forced to Babylonia. This wasn't the way it was supposed to be. What about the great promises given to Abraham? Had the Israelites blown it forever? You know, after about 70 years, the Jews were given permission to return to their land, and rebuilding began to take place. And while there was this initial hope and excitement for what the Lord was doing, it was nothing like their glory days. In fact, it was depressing when you considered the influence that they had once had. And the rebuilt temple, it was nothing like the splendor of Solomon's temple. In God's people, they were not fully devoted at all. And then God's voice of the prophets went silent for 400 years. They must have asked, where is God? And in that 400-year period of silence, a lot took place. Alexander the Great conquered the Holy Land in 332 B.C., and Greek culture spread and threatened the Israelites' identity. While the Jews were initially permitted to worship the Lord, by 175 B.C., a new ruler began radical Hellenization and aimed at eradicating the Jewish religion altogether. The ruler tried to destroy all the copies of Torah, outlawed certain certain religious practices, and even required certain kinds of offerings to Zeus. God, where are you? All of this led to the Maccabean Revolt around 167 BC and a brief period of independence. But by 63 BC, Rome invaded Jerusalem, including a three-month attack on the temple area, killing priests and even entering the most holy place. One author, Melanie Newton wrote this, this sacrilege began Roman rule in a way the Jews could neither forgive or forget. So here the Israelites were, people of great promise. God had told Abraham that through them, all nations on earth would be blessed. They must have thought, is this what blessing looks like? Is this what we get for following the Lord? God, where are you? Through tremendous ups and downs, they were now living in great oppression. There was physical oppression. The Roman military was everywhere and there was this culture of brutal and senseless violence. There was economic oppression. There was this tremendous tax burden and extortion regularly took place. Talk about a difficult economy, right? There was religious oppression, an ever-increasing number of religious laws put in place by religious leaders who didn't even follow them themselves. Then there was social oppression. All kinds of things were dividing families, friends, and culture. Things like religious fraction, different views on the presence of Rome, differing social classes. Israel longed for the promised Savior and Messiah. God had rescued them before. Would he do it again? You know, in the midst of seemingly unfulfilled promises and this kind of oppression, three things tend to take place. First, some people find themselves in deep despair and hopelessness. I get that. Second, some people find themselves wanting to fight back and seek vengeance. I get that too. Third, some people begin crying out to God with anticipation that he'll listen and respond. I wanna pause for a moment and ask you a question. Where are you today? Would you say that you're living with expectation for all that God can do in your life in this world? Or have you lost hope? The entire world has experienced a two plus year pandemic and it's reminded us just how powerless we are over sickness. We've lost so many loved ones. How are you handling the grief, the fear, and the frustration? War continues to break out, and the impact is touching almost every nation in some way. How are you handling the uncertainty? Inflation is rising, and each of us feel it at home. How are you handling that pressure? Our hearts are burdened as we see targeted, senseless violence all around us. How are you handling your anger? You know, in the past two years, pressures and differences of opinions have broken marriages, families, friendships, communities, and even churches, how are you handling that? As a society, we become even more individualistic. We become even more secluded, even though we live seemingly public lives on social media. How are you handling the loneliness? And the truth is, most of us would rather not talk about these things because they're depressing. And many of us have found coping mechanisms, some good, many bad. How are they working for you? You know, on this weekend when we celebrate the wonderful, wonderful freedom we have in this nation, maybe there's actually a deeper freedom that God is wanting to do in our lives. You know, the Jews, they were longing for freedom from Rome, but the Lord had in mind something much greater than a change in government. Something no rebellion could produce, something no military leader or political leader could achieve. This would be a spiritual battle and a spiritual victory for the very hearts and souls of the world. God was going to make good on his promise to Abram. Every nation would be blessed, but it was gonna look different than they thought. Let's go back to our story. Just a few years later, between four and six BC, the angel Gabriel appeared to a young girl named Mary and told her she was chosen to give birth to the Messiah, that his kingdom would never end, that he's gonna be called the son of God. Meanwhile, an angel visits the man she's engaged to, Joseph, and tells him to not be afraid. It turns out that Mary's telling the truth and that they're going to name the boy Jesus because he's going to save his people from his sins. The time comes for Jesus to be born and an angel visits shepherds nearby and says, Today, in the town of David, a savior was born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And as if all heaven can contain itself, as if the veil between heaven and earth broke apart, all of a sudden, there was this host of angels that appeared. and They started worshiping, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The Messiah had come. God had heard his people's cry. It turns out that he is faithful to his promises. You know, over the next 29 years, it says that Jesus grew quietly in wisdom and favor among men. But at 30 years old, the moment came. Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit rests upon him. Following being tempted in the desert for 40 days, Jesus goes and begins his public ministry. In the first week, he starts preaching town to town all around Galilee, and it says that people are praising him. And then in Luke 4, we read this. I want you to listen carefully. Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom, He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then scripture continues and says, Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. You can imagine this moment, right? The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying this to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This was a mic drop moment, and Jesus reading this prophetic word from 700 years prior and announcing that had been fulfilled in their hearing he was declaring that he is the anointed one he is the Messiah that God had heard his people that God keeps his promises that he had come into the world to be among us that a new kingdom had arrived on earth you know we don't have time to go here today but in quoting Isaiah 61 Jesus was pointing to thousands of years of prophetic words Scriptures pointing to the coming of Messiah can be found in almost every Old Testament book, including popular passages in Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, 2 Samuel, Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Hosea, Amos, Micah, Zechariah, Malachi, and many more. Scholars easily identify 300-plus prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his earthly ministry alone. Why Jesus? In the history of the world, Jesus is the only one to fulfill thousands of years of prophecies. But here in this moment, he says, I am the Messiah, and this is my purpose. This is my agenda. This is God's mission, to preach the gospel, to bind the brokenhearted, to heal the sick, to liberate the oppressed, to restore, to proclaim. And from that point on, he locked in and he wholeheartedly lived out and fulfilled his mission. Nothing would distract him. Did you hear me? Nothing would distract him, nothing would deter him. Jesus preached time and time again, we see how he used his voice. He taught about the kingdom of God throughout the region, town by town. He shared that in him there is forgiveness of sins. In him there is abundant and everlasting life. We see that many believed and experienced great freedom. He also demonstrated in power and he moved in compassion. We see throughout the Gospels that Jesus made himself available to every kind of person and even pursued them. He listened to their stories. He felt their pain. He knew their hopes and dreams. He knew what each person needed, even if they didn't know it themselves. He loved them no matter who they were, what they had done, or where they had been. This passion led him to the cross where he gave his lives for the sins of the world so that we could be restored in our relationship with God. Jesus cared for real people like you and me. Real people with real stories. Have you ever bought a book and started by reading at the end in the last chapter? One of my favorite Jesus stories has to do with the woman who suffered from the issue of blood. Do you know the story I'm talking about? For me, reading the story is like skipping to the last chapter when everything turns out well. But in Mark 5 we learn some important details to the story. The woman had been suffering for more than 12 years. Can you say 12 years? 12 years, that's a long time. She had spent all she had trying to figure out what was wrong and how to get better. In other words, she had nothing left, it was all gone. She was broke. She had tried everything. It says that she'd been under the care of many doctors and scripture says she actually got worse. Imagine the confusion imagine the disappointment imagine the frustration and the grief but then we read this it's the last chapter when Jesus when she heard about Jesus she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if I just touch his cloak I'll be healed immediately after 12 years her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering at once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking to see who had done it. I love that. He was gonna find her. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him her whole story. I love that. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. He listened. The crowd must have been silent. They listened to this woman's whole story. And then Jesus said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. It's a beautiful story, a real person. Someone who had been suffering for 12 years had likely lost all hope, but she pursued and encountered Jesus and her whole life was forever changed. Why Jesus? Jesus is God's answer to the cries of the world. Jesus is the Son of God, and he's the only one who can bring true, lasting hope, healing, and restoration to our broken world. You know, I want to introduce to you my better half. She's a a woman I've dated for six years. I've been married to 25 years. She's the mother of our three children, who are the coolest kids in the world, and uh, she's... (laughs) She's my best friend, she's my lover, my partner. She's incredibly wise, she loves the Lord. Would you please welcome for me, Carrie (laughs) DeBasquale. Carrie, thank you for uh, joining me on our anniversary weekend. (laughs) Have you forgiven me for asking you to share your story?
1: Yes, I have. (laughs) Actually, I had a lot of peace when he first asked me. And, uh, yeah, I'm very comfortable with my story. So.
0: Amen. Amen. Can you tell us about the time in your life when you lost hope and expectation?
1: Um, yes. Um, in 2004, we had just started our family. And um, I had very high expectations and hopes of who I would be as a mother. And... <laughs> This didn't happen in rehearsal. (laughs) Um, The reality of motherhood was that I was full of so much doubt. It seemed like every single decision that had to be made had entire books written about, you know, what your possibilities were. And they all included this little element of shame that said, and if you don't do it this way, um, you know, you're really going to mess things up. And I am someone who thinks that there's a right way to do something and then there's the wrong way. And so I was just full of uh, so much fear, constant fear that I was really, you know, sending these kids into early therapy. (laughs) This mother thing was so hard and it was not at all what I had expected as a young Christian girl growing up in the church. Nothing was instinctual. I did not feel like it was coming naturally. And um, I was just seething with anger and irritability And just so you don't worry, that was interior. (laughs) That was what's going on in my head. Um, I mean, we all have our freak out moments as moms, but um, it definitely was, you know, I consider myself pretty easygoing, and this was, my head was getting pretty dark. And uh, while naturally I'm a night owl, I began dreading going to bed because I knew the next day was just gonna be more of the same. I was gonna wake up in the morning and just feel bad about myself. And if I could just keep sleeping, then I could literally just stay in my dream world. Mm. And um, thankfully, a couple of years into parenting, I had the opportunity to go with Clive and Ruth Calver, our former senior pastors here, on a trip to go visit some of our global partners. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I felt like myself. I was excited and thrilled by everything and everyone that we were, you know, seeing and talking with. And I told Ruth, I'm like, this is, you know, this is so great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so different than from home. And uh, just shared with her, like, I'm just always so angry with myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, she posed a question to me of, do you think you'd ever consider talking with anyone about that? And I was like, that's what I'm doing, you know, <laughs> like, what do you mean? And, um, but, I, when we got home, I did, I found a wonderful woman who's a Christian counselor and I was like, Hey, someone told me I should talk to you. And she, one of the first things she had me do was, you know, well, when was your last physical, you know, with your primary care doctor? And so I did that and. I got blood work and all these things done and everything came back fine, but I just felt like this is so self-indulgent. You know, I've got kids to take care of. I don't have time to do this. And um, I kept talking with her and she mentioned, well, maybe you'd be benefit from some medications. And I thought, okay, no, uh, we're, uh, I'm okay. And, um, but I had another doctor's appointment where when they got to the point, well, do you have any other questions? you know how are things going or something i completely lost it and broke down and told them like everything going on and i like they within 30 seconds handed me a prescription for antidepressants and i was like wow that just really scared me um, but as i held on to that prescription i ended up gathering information talking with the psychiatrist and realized i was in the middle of a mental health crisis
0: thanks for sharing that so what did you do next
1: Well, throughout the entire process, you know, I asked for tons of prayer, and you were asking for tons of prayer. But I did begin to lose hope that things would ever change. I kept praying and pleading with the Lord that he would change me and fix me and make me a better person. But that prescription was just sitting on my refrigerator staring at me in the face for nine months. And then this weird thing happened. had the chance to go to a U2 concert and anyone who knows me knows I love me some U2 and we got to go see their 360 tour and we went and nothing like happened like I wasn't excited I wasn't happy I wasn't sad nothing like nothing something was wrong (laughs) something was very wrong and that's when I knew my brain's not making the chemicals it needs and um so I had come to grips with that there was a history in my family of some chemical imbalance, but I didn't have one, but I did. And um, I started that prescription, and I started 14 years of a journey of trial and error and lots of prayer and cognitive behavioral therapy and. Books to read and scripture to read to renew my mind and discover what works for me and what doesn't. And I've had ups and downs in the years that have followed. And as the kids got older and I went back to work, I felt much more like myself. Hmm. Um, But through it all, I clung to the resurrected Jesus. I worshiped, cried, and lamented like King David, is this ever going to change? But I always received what I needed to get through every single day. Um, what was this like from your point of view?
0: Yeah, well, I don't want people to think that we were miserable. <laughs> you, you never <laughs> lost the core essence of who you are. You always make me smile and laugh. And uh, I just want to say publicly that you are a tremendous mom. You really are. And our kids are so, so blessed. Amen. Um, amen. Amen. She is. She really is. Um, But as you were speaking i was resonating with all those things that you shared and i could see that i could see that you were struggling and i know for me i felt like i needed to take on more responsibility around the house to help create some stability Um, but i committed to encouraging you i committed to praying for you i committed to doing whatever it would take you know to help us and um i love you i'm so proud of you yeah yeah um you know i think it's important to say that mental illnesses are health conditions that affect a person's thinking feeling, behavior, or mood. know, all of us have physical health, our physical bodies, so there are times in our life when we become physically sick and physically ill. We accept that, but all of us also have emotions and minds, and yet we find it much harder to accept that there may come a time when we become mentally ill. There's this stigma attached to it, right? But um, the truth is that it might start with what was a hard day that turned into a hard season. For others, it could be starting from trauma. For others, it could be um, a health condition, like a thyroid condition. For others, it could be a chemical imbalance and something that's hereditary that will require medication for the long term. But that's not the case for everyone. For some, it could be called depression or anxiety. For some, it could be a diagnosis such as schizophrenia, bipolar, or a mood disorder. I guess what I'm trying to say is this, is that everyone's mental health journey looks different. I think it's really important to say that because I can't tell you how misunderstood that is. Every person's mental health journey looks different. Listen to some of these facts. Did you know that 50% of people will experience a mental health crisis in their lifetime? And at any given time, 20% of people are experiencing a mental health challenge. That means that one in five of us here today are really struggling. And this impacts kids as well. You know, while we pray and ask God for miracles, and we do pray for miracles, don't we? It's important to know that oftentimes a mental health crisis is more like a journey than it is a moment in time. But Jesus promises to walk with us in that journey. You know, it's been a crazy past two years in the world. What's the pandemic been like for you?
1: Well, it may sound weird, but given all the hardships that we've all gone through together, um, I did have some good things come out of the pandemic that have really changed the past 14 years. And one is that I was just able to spend time with my local friends. And another was that um, a friend introduced me to an app called Marco Polo. And uh, I had a girlfriend who lives in Australia and she set together a group of her best friends from around the world to get through the pandemic together. She was like, I need support. I need someone to talk to and process this through. And we all were able to do that. We talk every day, talking about world events and how they're affecting us and our families. And that just created an immense amount of stability in this, like, really crazy, crazy time period. Um, So shout out to them. Mm -hmm. And um, secondly, I received a cancer diagnosis. And while that does not sound like a good thing, um, it was not fun at all. But... um, God really used that for some transformation in my life. And what was really, really cool was that up until that point, I felt like I had just hit the sweet spot. My medication was working correctly, I wasn't having side effects and, um, or complications, and I had this group that I'm talking to, everything was great. Well, one of the things that happened was, because of the cancer medication that I have to take for the next five years, there's only one antidepressant that will be compatible for me on that, which meant I had to start over. And I really was angry and fearful, and I was like, all right, Lord, you've got this. And I can tell you that today, it is way better mm-hmm. than what I was on. And God took where, a place where I would have been completely satisfied with how my life was going, and he took this cancer journey and used it for good, and brought me to a whole different place. And it's just been phenomenal.
0: Amen. 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 You know, uh, whether you or someone you love is experiencing a hard time, we want Walnut Hill to be a safe place where we can talk about mental health, where we can provide support. So starting in July and August, we're doing something new where we're having these drop-in gatherings where you can come at specific times to the Bethel campus And we're going to be gathering and going through Saddleback Church's curriculum called Hope for Mental Health. And this is going to be a time of community, of fellowship, of sharing, and support. We'd really love for you to come out to that. And when you leave today, you're going to receive a card that's going to have more information with that on it. But also on our screens, a QR code is going to come up. And if you scan that, you'll be taken to our website, which has all kinds of information about that. Carrie, I want to thank you for your courage and thank you for sharing on our anniversary weekend. (laughs) you know more than ever we need jesus don't we i don't know if you've lost expectation for what god can do in your life but god's answer to the israelites wasn't just an answer for them it was an answer for every single human on this earth we need a savior his name is jesus He's the only one who can bring about true forgiveness and healing and restoration and freedom. He's the only one who can release the joy and the patience and the love that we desperately need. But Jesus calls us to lay aside our pride, to actually come to him, to come with our questions, to come with our burdens, to come with our hopes, to come with our dreams, to come with our impossibilities. Come to Jesus and surrender your whole life to him. So i return to the question that i began with are you living in expectation for what god can do in your life and the world you know across all of our campuses and for those online i'd like the opportunity to pray for us and to ask god to bring about fresh expectation Um, i'm going to ask our worship teams to come forward across all of our campuses right now and if you would like to receive prayer and receive from the lord i want to ask you to simply stand and extend your hands out in a receiving posture and I'll pray for you, okay? All right. Okay. Amen. Jesus, today we honor you. We declare that you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that you are our Messiah. And Lord, in this moment, we want to ask for forgiveness for any complacency that we have in our lives. We want to ask for forgiveness for having turned to things other than you for hope. Lord, I want to ask for forgiveness for having lost expectation for what you can do. And Father, right now, I want to pray that you would give us a gift of expectation, the gift of faith, that you would come upon your people and that we would be able to trust you again for the promises that you've given us, that we'd be able to walk the journey with you, knowing that you care for us, that you're going to provide, you're going to take care of us that we would go where you tell us to go, say what you tell us to say, trust you in the midst of times and between times. And Lord, I recognize that by myself, I can't do anything. But Lord, you can. And so Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would come upon us today, that we would look back some years later and say, this was the day that the Lord came and gave us fresh hope and fresh expectation. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus.